This is the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and here's your host, Jim Ward. Well, welcome to Growth Enablement Madness, where we're just mad about growth for companies. I've got a wonderful guest with me here today who we're going to talk about what their firm does. The name of the company is Conversica. The CEO of Conversica is Jim Cascade. Do I say, is it Cascade, Jim? Is that right? That's right. right. I got that right. Great. And by the way, I just thought I'd set the ground rules with us so you know there are no freaking ground rules, right? (laughs) So however you speak, if you want to swear, you swear. If you want to have a drink, we'll have a drink. I don't care. But most importantly, I want to be able to disseminate information to our audience about what your company and your technology does and how it fits into what we believe is growth enablement. So I'm going to just start off with my little thing about growth enablement, right? So what we do at Brain Cells, we help companies grow and scale. And scale is almost more important than the aspect of growth because I don't want companies just to grow for the sake of growth. I want them to scale and tip their profit. So we do that through the use of technologies. And I believe that companies will need to scale with technologies that are coming on the market today, like Conversica, in order to compete in the new world. That I think that if you're not driving costs down while you're growing, that you're growing just for the sake of growing. And by the way, if you're not growing in the tech business or any business, I think you're dying. And so you have to be on a path for growth and profitability. Having said that, let me ask you a little bit about you, Jim. You and I have talked a little bit in the past. We just partnered with you and we're super excited. I know my team is ecstatic about the conversations they're having. So, but first, tell me about yourself. I appreciate that, Jim. And are they having conversations with us or with the AI? Well, that's a good question because I mentioned to you just a second ago before we started was one of the comments from a prospect of ours is he said that Conversica is suspiciously human. (laughs) So perhaps they are talking to an AI assistant. That's right. That's right. So um, thank you for having me. I love this. I'm passionate about this space and in technology in general in terms of its ability to have business impact. I've been a CEO for over 20 years, so I'm still getting used to it. Uh, <laughs> this is my uh, this is my 11th company, and I started as a WECS engineer. So for those out there who are a bit techie, I was one of you until I jumped to the dark side um, of business. And I've had a lot of fun. I've uh, been in professional services and product management and marketing and sales, but I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, probably before I went to college. So I always wanted to be a CEO, run a company, run multiple companies. And I've been lucky, or maybe I should say I've created my luck with the last decade, had some really fun outcomes, uh, grew a company from zero to 50 million, another one from 165 to 250 million, all within short periods of time. I even had a billion dollar line of business I was running. And then uh, before Conversica, another SaaS company, that's P back much like us. So I've I've been having a shit ton of fun with my teams, my executive teams, the teams and my companies and partners like you and customers, of course. But it's always been tech, always been tech, and it's always been how do I disrupt? You know, how do I, in your words, create growth that's not just growth for growth's sake, but profitable growth? And that's been a consistent theme throughout the CEO tenure. Yeah, that's awesome. I, in fact, I did a little research on the web before we started to have this conversation. You have your own website and all the fun things that you've done. You even have your Myers-Briggs. What is it? What are you? An EN? 
yeah, yeah that's right i yeah. thought that was pretty cool yeah. so i was taking a test today and then i found out it was going to cost me 19 bucks to get the <laughs> final result so i'm a little cheap i didn't get that result yet i'll have to find another way to do it so that's awesome but i also know before we get into the company you're a surfer aren't you oh big time you're yeah. a california guy born and raised my favorite pastime. yep uh, anything i can find that i can put a surfboard on is going to get me going for sure yeah waves so, so- around the world so the one promise I want you to make me is that when I come back out once this pandemic thing is over, which is going to be over soon, by the way, that you're going to teach me, give me a day of surfing lessons. Oh, hands down. Easy. Done. Yeah. All right. I've awesome. even taken multiple senior teams out. My senior oh, teams. Out yeah. Surf. So uh, not begrudgingly, they all enjoyed it. It was an uh, easy uh, ask for sure. And just let me know if you see any shark fins. Well, we uh, usually bring a lot of folks like you out there, so it's just a number. You know, <laughs> the odds go down of, of being attacked. Exactly. <laughs> All you got to do is swim faster than me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your company and the fact that, as I refer to Conversica as an AI assistant, is that right? Am I referring it to it correctly? How would you describe Conversica? Yeah, fair enough. I think there's a lot of terminology out there. It probably starts with the biggest umbrella, which is intelligent automation, right? right. That can be quite broad. But then you you sit underneath that and you think, okay, conversational AI, you'll hear a lot, of, you'll hear a lot about that, which uh, has conversational marketing, conversational sales, conversational X, basically. And then there's the intelligent virtual assistant space which I think most analysts agree that that's taking what was a bot or chat bot and making it much smarter, right? Much yes. more human-like, more cognitive. So we've been sitting underneath the umbrella of intelligent virtual assistants or AI assistants or digital assistants. Yeah, I think many have heard those multiple names doing the same thing. How is it different from chatbots or RPA, robotics process automation? Yeah, so the back office with RPA when I was running this big line of business of digital transformation, we did about a thousand big data, pro- uh, big transformation projects per year. And when we helped companies become more digital, we found very quickly that there was a lot of human and process issues. So you had a culture issue, you had an organizational issue, you couldn't scale the business to meet the demand that was being created through becoming more digitally enabled. So RPA enters robotic process automation, which mm-hmm. is taking a lot of very simple mundane tasks, codifying them, and centralizing the ability to operate those tasks uh, through software in a way that scales the business you know, much more effectively. But it's very simple, kind of you can think of it as single processes. It's kind of like what sits underneath an operating system, just a few, a bunch of processes running. They're very, very simple. They're usually machine to machine, sometimes human to machine type of processes but nothing that requires a sophisticated level of intelligence. And so that's kind of back office. Right. Chatbot is obviously all front office. It's totally engaged with the end consumer. It's not machine to machine. It's you're engaging the human, you're engaging your prospects. And it's similar in terms of it's codifying simple processes. In this case, processes that say, that basically take your interest and intelligently route you. So you come to a website, you may get asked three or four questions. You need support. You need sales. And the chatbot facilitates through a few simple questions where to route you. And so very intelligent routing capabilities. So you come to a website, you get routed to sales, routed to support in the region that you're in with the language, maybe somebody who understands the culture. 
And that's where Chatbot has been extremely good at bringing net new opportunities to teams very quickly. Where I think that differs from us and anybody in our peers that are dealing with intelligent virtual assistants is clearly we're not really focused on back office. We may have, as a virtual assistant player, you may do IT help desk where you're engaged with internal employees. You could be support where you're engaged with customers who need help on the product. You could be engaged with companies, uh, prospects who want to learn more about your product and eventually buy it. I think all those intelligent virtual use cases, you're trying to add more value than just do a simple task like intelligent routing or quickly clean up some data and, and automate a back, back office system. Intelligent virtual assistants are about, okay, let's have a conversation. Let's understand what it is you need. Let's interpret that need. And then let's act on it intelligently. And that combination has to become more human-like because you're engaged with humans. And it takes, I think, the bot and RPA to a completely different level, which is, we call it cognitive, we call it artificial intelligence. But you know, generally, it's just a much more sophisticated interaction and communication with the end user that you're dealing with. And Converse's space, are your primary mode of conversation is email. Am I getting that right? It is, only because that's the primary mode that people want to engage with. We also engage through SMS. We also engage through the chat kind of experience. And we're ready to also engage you on any medium, you know, whether that be voice through an Alexa endpoint, over the phone, through a WhatsApp messaging conversation. So it will evolve, actually. But today, you're right. Most of folks like to have that kind of asynchronous offline experience through email. So that's very interesting to me. So do you believe that your company will evolve into Alexa-styled services, skill sets, voice applications that go beyond the email? So the painted picture is absolutely going to be today, most people engage through email to the future state. Everybody will be engaging through what I believe is going to be in-app. So WhatsApp or in the application that you're actually in, you'll have a conversation. So you can actually be watching a video of some beautiful person walking down the walkway with some clothes on, some fashion show, and you want to buy what they're wearing. And you'll have an in-app experience while you're watching the video. I think it will become a real-time in-app experience and where email will be the last on the list, actually. Whereas today, it's it's the opposite. Right, right, right. So I mean, that is so cool for me. That's why I'm, I love this space. And Conversica uses natural language processing. And is that right? Do I have that right? And does it use any machine learning? So yeah, natural language processing, NLP, is the umbrella term that typically embodies a multiple other types of technology. Natural language understanding is a subset of that. So the system understands what you're saying. And then there's natural language generation, which is the system can actually speak in the language that you're speaking through. And there's also- I'm going to catch you right there. So just you're saying it can speak or generate in any number of languages? That's the only way it can work because everybody's global, right? I mean, I guess- true. If you're SMB- Sure, I guess you're probably in your state of Washington or wherever you are and you're in one location. But most companies now, 
that we're working with have global footprints. So we have to support every language that they're playing with in terms of their market. I'm sorry I, I interrupted your flow, but that caught my attention. So uh, I want to make sure the listeners heard multi-language. Yeah. yeah, I mean, today we find that most of our global clients are served with a majority of their use cases in, in in-country experiences with about six different languages that we support. But broadly, if someone wants to move into a market that we're currently not speaking the language of, that's pretty simple for us. So we can service pretty much any part of the globe with our AI. I think the language support is much easier than the intelligent part. So back to your question, are we using machine learning? I believe that only the simplest use cases can operate without the use of machine learning or deep learning, because you're trying to interpret human behavior with the more sophisticated use cases that will require machine learning and deep learning. So if you have a simple if then do this, and it requires a few steps, then use rule-based technologies to do your virtual assistant type of activities. But for us as a company, we've been in a machine learning, deep learning mode since the company started over a decade ago, which is great only because we've leveraged web scale capabilities of the Amazons of the world. We're predominantly in Amazon today. We use Google Cloud services as well, but predominantly in Amazon. And it's amazing the types of technology that you have at your fingertips. I think it's less about the technology and it's how you use it. So in our case, what I love, love, love about this business is you take the most sophisticated algorithms and you apply them to interpreting people's human intentions. And the human intentions are very common to all these use cases in any vertical, by the way. It doesn't matter which vertical, banking, insurance, doesn't matter. Humans act in the same way when they're looking to buy something. And so you, you model basic human intentions and you can keep the scope of your modeling pretty narrow and therefore very accurate. And so the machine learning is used to interpret and then technology beyond that machine learning capability becomes the front end of NLU, the back end of NLG and some decision decisioning in between. So it's a combination of those algorithms, a decisioning engine, NLU, NLG, and for any techie that's on this stock right now, those are the building blocks across any kind of artificial intelligence or virtual assistant capability that's sophisticated. So Jim, are there certain industries that are adopting this now faster than other industries that you're finding? Based on our experience, we have thankfully seen a use case in almost every vertical from the one where you're born into a specific vertical when the, when the founder started the company was to address sales opportunities in automotive dealerships. And so automotive has been a big part of our history and DNA. Okay. But beyond that, technology is big for us. It's probably our second highest growth vertical. And technology is broadly like the tech brands like an Oracle or a Dell, Tipco, you know, the usual suspects that are also very much in tech themselves and therefore embrace tech like us. And then we see education, which is very meaningful during COVID. Financial services is a big sector for us. Media and entertainment's huge. We have a nice footprint in telco. And I have a personal interest in expanding our healthcare use cases. We're looking at next kind of diving into manufacturing as a, as a really neat vertical. 
So it doesn't really matter where you are. There's going to be cases where I think you can always automate. That's the beauty. And it also doesn't matter what size business you are. I mean, we see a great selection of small businesses as well as medium size and uh, large. The only caveat to that is if you're not digital, you can't use digital. But if you're if you're digitally enabled and investing more to become more digitally enabled, then really doesn't necessarily matter what your size is. And is it fair to say, at least this is how I'm looking at it, I think this is fair to say, but I need your confirmation, that I found the pricing of Converse going to be extremely fair based on the fact that a human is going to cost that much more for what this technology can do. Am I getting that right or is it? am I not? As the new guy in my business, the first thing I look at outside of product market fit and market opportunity yep. is this pricing model discussion. And I was floored that the way I look at pricing in terms of through the eyes of the customer is return on investment. Right? So whatever your price right. is X, you better get a big return of value. Y. I have not seen an ROI calc in our business that's less than 10X yet. So I kind of come in thinking, yeah, you know, we're we're very graciously priced. But that you want to kind of order of magnitude impact on anything that's considered emerging or or new in order for people to jump across that chasm on adopting. And so I think we're in a good spot in providing 10 to 50, and I think publicly disclosed Oracle 150 times return on investment. I mean, in a lot of cases, I'll personally say would help companies print money. I see plenty of opportunities when customers launch that they actually pay for our service in the first month. And so I like to tell them we're under contract now for 11 months to print you money, hold us accountable to that. So it's a, yeah, it's a neat space. That's what I'm being, and also being told by our team that every conversation that they're having is, it's a very easy fit conversation. It's obvious the return on investment. And in some cases, if it's not, it's not the right fit. Right, right. Um, And And as simple as that. Yeah, and we'll look at that before we get involved. I mean, we've had had so much experience, over 2,000 customers to date, and plenty behind that who have come and gone. And I think uh, we've got nothing but experience over a decade with this. So we know what an ideal customer profile looks like. We know if you're going to really take off after deploying us. And the good thing is it takes hours to get up and running. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll see some enough results in a couple of weeks to know that this is right for you. And we want people within the first three months to to literally be in that. Well, I've I've already paid for my service. You know, yes. here we go. So it's uh, it's probably one of the most exciting businesses I've dropped into in my career. I've never seen a product market fit so well architected. You know, NPS scores well over sixty, and so it's you know that's a blessing. Even with COVID, we've been lucky to feel like we're creating value for companies that really, really need us. On some, we've kept doors open because of our services, let alone maintain or expand in this environment. So it's a it's a neat business to be in, for sure. And I'm sure for a lot of our peers as well. I uh, also feel the same way. We have a portfolio of multiple technologies as a growth enablement firm where we are really trying to apply technology where a customer can get a return on investment that they're actually scaling. This is probably one of the most exciting technologies I've come across in my 26 years in this business. Nice. So, um, and that's not fluff. That's real stuff. And you mentioned you use the word chasm, so I'm going to bring it up. You know, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. I read it years ago, and I often think about it. 
where are you on that chasm? I don't know if our listeners have read the book, but there's a innovator stage, early adopter stage, early maturity, late maturity, laggards. Where do you see yourself right now? Yeah, having been in the business for 10 years, I would definitely say we're well beyond phase one, but it does differ depending on the business. I would say when you look, well, maybe even just the category, let's just talk about virtual assistants to to kind of generalize it. So I think when I think about virtual assistants as a category, and I've looked at, you know, like the Gartner did a really nice report around the use of virtual assistants across industries. And it was funny, I was I was hoping to see something where there would be concentration in particular industries. And I was like, holy smokes, there's an X across all of these verticals that tells me that you know virtual assistants have really been adopted across every company and every vertical or every vertical represented by a group of companies. And so I think about that as in terms of an early majority, right? Clearly, virtual assistants and AI is not going to be a laggard or you know, older tech, it's going to be considered still very much emerging tech. But I think the early majority have adopted in use cases like IT help desk or customer support. Those are pretty well-defined and, and lots of momentum and a lot of players servicing these. Now for us, Conversica, we've been very focused on use cases that I think are much different than those early majority users today in virtual assistants, I would say with the space that we've been in, it probably is a little bit more of an early adopter in the sense that we're focused very much on marketing and sales, specifically sales. We're we're trying to accelerate your revenue. We're less about cost reduction, even though you are getting that as a benefit. And so when people think about applying this type of capability to their most precious asset, right? It's their customer base. I don't think you're you're going to have that early majority position that everybody's like, yeah, of course I've done this with my uh, sales team. And I've got a bunch of Rachel's and, and Justin virtual assistants engaging directly with my end customers. You're going to have a mix. Some people are going to be like, well, I've, I've heard about it, but I haven't really gone there yet because I think I need people to do this. Whereas, you know, a lot of our, obviously all of our clients have jumped all in on using it in those use cases of marketing and sales. And now even post-transaction customer success and expanding customers. So I think in our in our focus category, quick answer is probably an early adopter moving to the early majority over the next 12 to 18 months. So does that mean that you have to do some market education for folks to understand what it really is? Is that an approach you take or? Yeah, I mean, I think we and our peers, you know, we're all definitely still evolving. The analysts, you don't have a magic quadrant yet. We're forced away. So but there's early reports now starting to summarize. I do think within the 12 months or so, those reports will start to come out and you will start to get, I think, beyond grassroots or gladiator education. But yeah, so right now we are we are educating. I think there's definitely the C-suite who is embracing technology because they have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. They either become more digital or die. And those that are embracing their digital transformation strategies are like, okay, bring it to me. What is it? And so we we will tell the C-suite, let's start with these basic value propositions. And we don't try to get into AI or the robot, the virtual assistant. We talk about the value first. And when people understand the ROI opportunities and the specific examples of how they're benefiting uh, if they deploy us. Then we can get into, okay, here's how it works. 
And I think we can provide comfort because we've been doing it for a decade, because we have 2,000 customers with some fantastic brands who talk about us well. I think we can gain the confidence of new prospects through education of experience. So yeah, I think that's probably in any emerging market, that's your challenge of becoming as well-known as uh, Kleenex, for sure. I think you're well on your way. I really Thank do, because uh, the name is becoming very popular. It certainly was popular with me, and I heard it. So uh, I think you're on your way. What strikes me, too, I remember a book I read, and I think this applies to what we're bringing with Conversica to the client base. It's not the big that eat the small. It's the fast that eat the slow. Nice. And when you said digital or die, I thought of that title, um, right? So uh, I think that's what this does for companies, big or small. And I don't think it is limited in an ICP one way or the other. I think it's affordable technology and is applicable in all kinds of businesses. That's what we're going to be bringing to folks. That's our core focus. How do we help you grow? How do we help you scale? So having said that, maybe I could ask you for an example or a use case of somebody that's benefiting from a Conversica. Yeah, there's a pick a vertical and call me. I think probably the use cases, let me give you a use case of, well, a particular customer that has actually adopted all of the use cases, which is, is always fun to see. So it's not pushing, putting your toe in the water and one end of just one of the use cases, but all of them. So there's real big tech player, global customer, has a lot of red in their logo, selling mm-hmm. a lot a lot of technology that came to us with a number of problems. And I think okay. in, in adopting automation, the first thing we typically see is that the sales teams of our clients are starving for really high quality leads. Right. And our marketing teams are frustrated because they're sending leads and not feeling like the sales teams are properly following up on it. So you get this, yes. you get this battle of marketing and sales. And when you dig into the specifics of that, you'll find this particular player as well as generally our clients are not covering all of the opportunities that they're paying to get. So they get a smaller amount of lead coverage for a number of different reasons. And usually on average, we see about 30% of the leads that you should be getting follow-up on uh, getting covered. And the other 70% are kind of dropping on the floor. And that's because in the case of this particular group, they're not following up right away. So, you know, time is value. And if you follow up in seconds versus minutes, hours, days, you know, it has a big difference, right? Um, Studies prove it. Studies prove it. And then the number of times you follow up. So you might not hit the person at the right time. So you got to hit them multiple times. You got to be persistent. So we'll find that most people follow up in days and weeks and they only follow up a couple of times and they move on to the next thing. Right. And then the last is consistency. Just make sure that you don't have a new person in that lead follow-up role that hasn't been trained well. We'll go figure. Most of them are in those seats for a year and you're constantly cycling through. Yes. So enters Conversica, you know, name your, your virtual assistant, give it some diversity anywhere in the world and she or he will reach out in seconds follow up multiple times. We've seen some follow up. I think I just recently looked at a big telco player that was uh, 299 attempts before the person said, okay, I'm ready. And then of course, consistently, it's kind of built in, it's it's programmed. So we'll take your 30% lead coverage to 100%. And then you keep going, use cases. Once you have an opportunity that's been followed up on, 
Rachel or whatever your virtual assistant name is, will have a conversation and basically qualify, whether it's Bant or Anum, through a number of questions and an exchange before they hand it off to a salesperson. So there's the beauty, you know, I'm not an intelligent router. I'm not like inundating the team with, hey, here's somebody interested on your website. Okay, hope you have enough people to take the call. No, it's the scale being covered by the virtual assistant. So because we do that, we can take close rates from 10%, this particular giant, they're doing sales close rates about 10 to 40% close rates, which is amazing. It's like, that's money. It's, that's pipeline being converted. Post-transaction, we have a customer success assistant. In this particular situation, we're following up to see if your usage is low so we can keep you from churning. 30% churn moves to 10% churn. If you're not churning or you're still have good utilization, but you don't know about other product offerings, we can upsell cross-sale you. So we can increase 50% expansion rates. It's just, it is great to see lead coverage, close rates, churn, expansion, all of that get improved because you've embraced digital, right? You've yeah. embraced this idea of virtual assistant. So that's the general use case you know, we're seeing across all of our or set of use cases. Yeah, so so you, you answered the question I was going to ask. It isn't just the sales front end. It's also the customer success portion of it, which is also a selling component. We are going to internally apply Conversica for both of those. And so we're extremely excited. It's just so obvious once you see it in action, what you do. And Jim, it's not just the force multiplier, the AI assistant that's bringing the return on investment. And I, so I think a lot of folks are afraid that AI is going to infringe upon the human element and take yeah. jobs away. I do not believe that. I believe it's going to enhance what people are doing. And it's going to create a happiness factor because that person that would have to make all those phone calls, they, as you said, they churn because it's a grind. So. Yeah, they- you know, you take the SDR function, it's extremely important for the sales team to qualify your leads before you hand it to an expensive account executive. So you've got a mm-hmm. SDR or BDR or business development call center. These functions are really important, but they are roles where if you become an SDR, you have this vision of becoming a sales right. account executive. So you want a career path to get you to become a salesperson. You're not in an SDR role because that's where you want to be all your life, typically. And I think there's different levels in any role where you're going to do that grunt work. You know, you're doing an outbound calling and trying to get somebody to to even listen to you. Click. Okay, I'll do it again. Click to the inbound, which is a little more interesting because people already have interest. But still, there's a lot of functions that I would argue if I said, hey, I'm going to promote you today, and you no longer have to do outbound phone calls, or you don't have to write these repetitive emails or try to you know, research and connect with this massive list of 200,000 or 2 million people, I'm going to promote you. And they're going to be like, to what? Well, I'm going to give you an assistant. And a virtual assistant is going to do all that hard work that you've been doing. And what you now need to focus on is take the cream of the crop of the leads that the assistant finds and now have a conversation, obviously a human conversation, but a better one with a person that's further along in the sales cycle. And I bet you any SDR is going to go, I'll take that job all day long, right? Absolutely. So I'm, so I'm thinking that we're basically, yeah, we might be disintermediating a role at a lower level, 
so that we can promote those people into roles at higher levels that are adding more value. So it's it's just the evolution of uh, technology. I don't think we're we're definitely not displacing people. We're just giving people the opportunity to work on things that are creating even more value. I totally agree. I, again, it's so exciting. But we're kind of coming close to our end here. I don't want to take too much of your time. And even though this podcast is absolutely going viral, by the way, <laughs> that's, I don't know. but do you work with the C-suite in your, when you're talking to folks? Are you talking to sales? Are you talking to CEOs, CFOs? Who's your primary ICP or ideal yeah, customer yeah, yeah. profile? Great question. So if we just focus on the marketing sales piece, you know, I would say that we'd love to have a conversation with the CRO and the CMO. If we're talking customer success, it'd be the chief customer officer. Yep. There's folks that work for them that have similar functions and doing a lot of the, the great work. We actually even talk to the CFO and the CEO. I mean, I think as we move more into enterprise, which we are, it is the C-suite because we can deploy these types of automation capabilities, not just in one region, but all regions, not just in one BU, but all BUs. And so there's some amazing impact in terms of the top line growth. And I think even the cost reduction becomes a important part, but I'll, I'll speak with the CEO. Our team will speak with the CEO about increasing revenue. And yes, reducing costs, but mainly yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you overachieve your bookings and your revenue targets. Who doesn't like that? The CFO, they love reducing costs. So we might lead with that, but also talk about increasing revenue. So they get that as well. And then the CRO is, is obviously everything revenue. And that usually means, well, let me talk to you about how I can get you net new leads, leads that you've never had before. Let me tell you how I can reduce sales cycles. Let me help tell you how I can increase close rates. And ultimately, yes, let me tell you how I can make booking targets be overachieved. So it is a bit of a, a broad discussion depending on the use case that we're focused on. We do love our heads of demand gen. They tend to, I mean, they get it right away. And there's no need to get familiar or get comfortable with AI. With sales leaders, they're still trying to keep up with the technology. They're really trying to understand how to solution sell and connect with their customers better. But the technology, they tend to be one step behind, I think, the rest of the organization that's you know intentionally looking for things that they can help sales leadership with. But it doesn't take much, much more than our marketing counterparts to get the aha. Yeah, it's a good conversation regardless of which person in the C-suite we're talking to. I think what I love about this business is we're leading with how do I increase revenue versus how do I reduce cost? I mean, I just, right. I really have a hard time getting excited about, okay, I'm going to reduce more costs. It's just not as exciting as let me, revenue solves all problems, right? Let me, let me increase <laughs> your, your, your top line. <laughs> Sales cures all ills is something I've always yeah. said. Oh, well. And again, I will tell you that going back to 26 years when I first started, this was a largely a CRM or customer relationship management company and we've moved and evolved into a growth enablement company but even customer or you know crm is it's such a difficult it's an art it doesn't have the same concepts that you have here which really this literally drives sales and drives conversations and just as a force multiplier it's like one of the most exciting things it's something that i probably dreamed of it's sort of like when you watch the jetsons 
<laughs> and it starts to come true. The stuff that you saw in movies or cartoons, this is That's coming right. true. It's That's awesome. Right. It's awesome. But, you know, before we end, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about you. And this is just getting to know you and perhaps uh, sharing some just personal things. So thank you very First, I want to thank you very much for the information around Converska and your successes that you're having with the company and your past companies. But we're big readers here, so I'm always interested in what people are reading right now. Are you reading any particular book that you love? I'm listening to a book right now, an audible by William Vanderblom. And it's uh, Culture Wins. Ah, and, you know, big, if you put me in a category of CEOs, I'd be the cultural CEO. I mean, yep. people power, right? So I think yep. William's interest for me was how do you build a contagious culture? To me, it's a competitive differentiator. I think I love tech. I love fast-growing SaaS companies. All of those things are checkboxes for me. Yep. But the thing that really gets me going in terms of competing in any business is when a customer says, well, why are you, you know, what makes you different from everybody else? I'll be like, man, it's the people power. Makes yes. you engage with our staff. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So that just happens to be a, a book. <laughs> That's funny you should say because that's obvious. Every person that we've talked to is wonderful to work with. Very, very smart. So you've done a great job with the culture there. And that's something we work on consistently as well. So I totally agree. And uh, I'm going to get that book. And we do, I do Audible and read. So um, just by the way, I wanted to mention, uh, has Mark Cuban at all gotten in, in touch with you? Not yet. Not yet. I wouldn't surprise if he if he did. I'm, I'm reading this book that he suggested, and it's called Competing in the Age of AI. Great book. Uh, he suggested it and was sold out right after he suggested it. So I, I think it's reading it is it brings home this whole concept of virtual assistants and other things yeah, that yeah. they're going to be facing. So do you have a favorite book of all time? Could be nonfiction. I don't care what it is. I have a lot. I mean, I guess, you know, just to stay on this theme for executive teams, I would recommend, and you've probably read this, Patrick Licioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I wish I could tell you I have, but I have not. I thought you were Woo! all right. <laughs> yes, adding some value. You'll love it. And it's, a, it's a fable. It's a fable, but it's a fable story about a woman who becomes a new CEO of a struggling Silicon Valley firm. It's like insane, right? It's like right in my backyard here. Yeah, he takes control of a dysfunctional executive team. And, okay. then, and what Patrick does is he describes typical dysfunctions in different roles and the persona and the story. And it's just beautiful. Because, you know, you come across it, it's things you can always overcome. And once you do, you have this massively high-performing engine of executive staff, which is what I have. I have this dream team, absolute yep. dream team, helping me run this business. And it's just, it gives you goosebumps. So, yeah, that's one of my favorites. I just pulled Amazon up. Guess what I'm going to be ordering after we talk is those two books okay. were Audible. Yeah. I have Audible too, but sometimes I, I somehow retain better with a read. I have this, I want to say it, I have, I share the same thing. I have a dream team. And when you have that, you go to sleep at night excited and wake up in the morning totally. excited. And so it's totally. awesome. Totally. Um, and you want to do for them, right? You want them to do really well. Absolutely. And, uh, so yeah, if I ask you one last question, it would be, what is the most important lesson you've learned so far in life? That's a deep, deep. Yes, it is. I'd like to go deep. Oh my God. All right. Well, I guess I'd have to say first thing that comes to mind is probably happiness comes from within. Yep. Right. And it's driven by pursuing your passions. So whether that's being a high tech SaaS CEO, big wave surfer, off trail extreme skier, okay, trekking in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. 
all the things I've done because they just drive my passion. You got to pursue your passion, which will lead to happiness. I, I, I've learned that. It's a big lesson. I live it. And uh, it's what gets me skipping into whatever I'm doing every day. Yeah, I love it. Work or otherwise. I love it. So, folks, that's Jim Cascade of Conversica, CEO of Conversica. I encourage you to look up the company. Certainly contact us. We can bring it all together for you. Sometimes it's not one technologies. It's a multiple stack of technologies or it's a layering. I can see where we're going to be applying this and we're going to be doing some integrations with Conversica into accounting systems for automated collections. We're going to be doing it for sales enablement platforms. I see, I'm not quite sure if this has been done yet, but we are partnered with SalesLoft and uh, we work with Outreach and we've already done some integrations for those products. I see that there. Marketing tools. I mean, there's just, just where this can go is endless. But I want to thank you. If anybody want to get a hold of you, uh, Jim, how would they do that? Jim.cascade at conversica.com. Okay. That's easy. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And for the folks out there listening, if you're not growing, I think your company's dying. Look at these technologies. We can help you. And certainly Conversica can help you. Thanks, Jim, very much. Thanks. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 